Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Welcome, everyone, to episode 234 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Zaporic, and my God, do we have a lot to talk about today. The Warriors are facing a 3-1 deficit. They are on the precipice of their dynasty collapsing. So we will talk about games three and four, preview game five, and we also have a trade to talk about, thanks to the Brooklyn Nets and Atlanta Hawks with the Allen Crabb deal that got announced Thursday. So we will get into all of that shortly. Before we do that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. It'd really help us out. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's, it's going well, Brian. It's not going as well for me as it is Kawhi, and... <laughs> Uh, I'm very, very jealous of not being a very, very fantastic basketball player yeah. as, like he is. Because, my God, is, I know we all put Kawhi on a pedestal, but even so, is he underrated? I feel he's underrated. I, I stopped underrating him at approximately Game 2 of the Sixers-Raptors series when I realized <laughs> he had gone full Terminator, and he has not stopped going full Terminator ever since. Um, I, I love his game. Like just, yeah. just from an, an aesthetic standpoint as well. Obviously, he's very, very efficient, and like he, he's you know analytically inclined, takes threes, gets to the line a lot. But just also just the way that he plays. Yeah. I, I still I can't comprehend the people would still say when when he was on the Spurs. Oh, the play the Spurs play <laughs> a boring brand of basketball. Like this dude is an is it's like Picasso. When he's on the NBA court, it's unbelievable. With the way he just negotiates screens, the way that he manipulates defenses, the way he never, never rushes shots, mm-hmm. the way he's so calculative about where to get a shot off, how he will use one extra dribble and going from a good shot to a great shot. He has virtually no weakness. Like Even as a playmaker, which is the one primary thing that people like bring up and say, oh, well, he's not great at that. He's not bad. Yeah. He's not bad by any means. You can easily, easily have him make decisions with the ball in his hands. Like it's no problem. I, I'm really struggling to find a weakness in his game. He's he's outstanding, is my point. I was told he was a system player though. So strange. Oh, oh right. Oh god. <laughs> yes, that was that was some time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we need to say that much about game three. Uh Clay Thompson missed the game. Come on, Looney missed the game. Kevin Durant missed the game. Steph Curry did all he could to keep them in it. 
He, you know, he had 47 points, the second most points ever scored in a finals loss, trailing only LeBron James last year. But, you know, they're just so undermanned, they they couldn't do it. So right. the, the Raptors go up 2-1. We're heading into a pivotal game for Friday at Oracle. Could be the last game ever in Oracle Arena. The Warriors get up big early in the game. They had a double-digit lead in the first quarter. But the Raptors, it felt like the inverse of game two, where... The Raptors couldn't hit a shot to save their lives in the first half, but foul trouble and getting to the free throw line really helped them stay in the game. They just kept it within five or six points, especially heading into halftime. Coming out, Kawhi hits two big threes, gives them their first lead of the game. And, you know, we, <laughs> the Warriors have become famous for these third quarter runs where they just bury you. The Raptors did that to the Warriors in Oracle <laughs> Arena in Game 4 of the NBA Finals last night. Unbelievable. And so the Raptors are now up 3-1 in the NBA Finals, heading back to Toronto. Game 5 Monday, the Raptors could win their first ever NBA championship. Yep. So... Scotia Bank Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me it's going to be a little lit there on Monday. Yeah, I, I have a feeling, you, you know, the term raise the roof. I have a feeling this <laughs> literally might happen. Right. I'm, Jesus. It's, it's, oh, I'm, I'm so psyched for that game. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be completely insane. And Jurassic Park, the 33, oh, 45, 57, it seems like there are so many more Jurassic Parks just popping up everywhere <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Like, all of them are going to be off the hook. I'm pretty sure that if I say stay perfectly still, if the Raptors win, I'll sort of feel the earth move here in Denmark <laughs> when it happens. Because, like, the entire collective of Canada will jump at the same time. Right, right. Yeah. So, let's talk about Game 4 first. And let's do it. The big surprise is, of course, Clay Thompson came back, which was relatively expected. You know, heading into Game 3, we had the discussion of with KD already ruled out, should they hold Clay out? They ultimately did for the reasons we talked about last episode where they just said, look, we're, we're going to play it safe. If he aggravates this thing, that's going to cost him the rest of the finals. We're okay effectively punting this game if it means, you know, Clay and hopefully KD come back for game four. KD did not come back. Clay did. Kevon Looney also, you know, he suffers the injury yeah. in game two, was supposed to be ruled out for the rest of the finals. All of a sudden, he's active game four, and he plays really well. Like, DeMarcus Cousins was very bad in game four. Looney came in in that first mm -hmm. half and really gave them a nice boost. Like, that's when they went on their run at the end of the first quarter. I think he had eight points, I want to say, uh, in that first quarter. But, you know, of course, the, the Raptors did the Raptors thing. It just methodically <laughs> chipped away at it. But uh, were you surprised at just kind of how the game played out last night, especially after the Warriors got off to that big start? Yes and no. Because one thing I think is fair for all of us at this point to like acknowledge and realize is, you know, the Raptors just, they don't really get desperate, right? Mm -hmm. They keep their cool at all times, which is just a remarkable thing. So when they, when they were down significantly early on, at no point did I sit there and feel, oh, this game is over. Yeah. Because the, the presence of Kawhi, the fact that they have so many defenders, we really need to talk about their defense. Yeah. Um, that they can just keep throwing at guys. It, it's going to ultimately be a game changer. And it turned out that was actually the case. 
but did I did I lean towards Golden State? Yeah, I did because Clay obviously is a huge addition after being out in Game Three. Yeah. So you know you, that's just normal. But Curry didn't hit. He was kind of off. Demarcus, as you mentioned, didn't really play all that well. They couldn't really sustain that level of success. Mm-hmm. And when the Raptors pounced, it almost seemed like to me that they were just waiting for that perfect moment. Yeah. Like they were just waiting to see. Like the, the Warriors went all out in the first half. I think they gave it everything they had. And the Raptors kind of gauged that and went, oh, okay, this is what you have. <laughs> we, come, we come out now in, ga- in, in the second half. Now we're going to give you all that we have. Right. And that's just better. And there's more of it because we are healthy. We are deeper, and we can throw so many different looks at you. And yeah. he did. Yeah. Uh, and b- both offensively and defensively. When when Fred Van Vliet hit that uh, that somewhat long three, I think it was in the third. Yep. That's when I felt momentum change. Like th- that's when you could just see the body language of every Raptor player on the court. Yeah, we got this. Mm-hmm. We got this. This like the 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 level of confidence and the swagger that they had. It was just. An understanding, a collective understanding of we have this in the back. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's just wild that we're saying this about a Raptors team just based on, you know, the last five years where the first sign of trouble, they usually just collapse. And now this year, I'm sure in large part because of Kawhi and even the other new guys, Danny Green, Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, have all been on these stages before so they right. have that sense of like we don't need to panic like Kawhi has you know he's he was up three two he was five seconds away from winning a title in 2013 he knows how quickly these things fade like I don't think they're gonna go into game five feeling like this thing is over I think they're still gonna come out hungry and I think it's all from Kawhi and Danny Green who are gonna come in with the, the important message of you know, we've been here before. When they were down 0-2 against the Bucks uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, Sirat Zoe of Yahoo Sports wrote that story where Serge Ibaka was like, look, guys, <laughs> I've been here before. We can do this. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, they did. So I, I think they're drawing on their collective playoff experience, and they suddenly just have so much more to draw upon that they know – these things swing so quickly. Momentum swings so quickly in a game and then even in a series that you're right. They're not wilting. And it's it's just, I never expected to say that about a Toronto team, but it's a testament to Kawhi, to Danny Green, to Marcus Gasol, to Lowry, to Ibaka, to Fred Van Vliet, who we should pour one out for his tooth that got uh, yeah. knocked out by an errant Sean Livingston elbow last night. Um it's just, I mean, it's, I just can't remember the last time I saw the Warriors in the Kevin Durant era flustered. And right. it felt like the Raptors were the more composed team in game four. Like the Warriors came out with a bunch of nervous energy and they got off to that lead. But then like, and the, you know, Oracle was booming with energy in that first <laughs> quarter. But yeah. then as the Raptors just, hanging around hanging around you could feel like the warriors players and the people in oracle were just tightening up there was a lot of tension there and it just it's not what i'm used to seeing these warriors right so just to dial back to toronto here uh for a second 
when you when you say that you know we're talking about the raptures here and you brought up the last five years it what also needs to be mentioned here is the fact that and here comes a really 90s reference you more or less traded mitch richmond for michael jordan yeah right right that will always carry significance. Oh, and you just threw in like a Danny Green, who in like, is still a very competent and quality NBA player, especially yes. defensively. Yes. So, so I mean, obviously, that's going to just raise it up. To and 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 I don't want to sit here and crab on on Demar Derozan because I think what Derozan did in those Toronto years were was he was outstanding. It just wasn't what they needed. Yeah, they they needed spacing. They needed different looks. When when they were in tight games and DeRozan had the ball in the playoff in playoff situations, he would only go towards the rim. He wouldn't trust his jump shot. Not even like mid rangers. Like he would consistently try to go to the rim. He had nothing else in his bag mm-hmm. during those situations. Whereas here you have Kawhi, who's got everything, everything in his bag. That just provides a team with so much security and so much confidence in knowing that they have a guy who can you know manufacture a shot in whatever way he wants to yeah if it needs to be from the outside if it needs to be three throws it needs to be a 17 footer doesn't matter he will do it DeRozan I love DeRozan uh, and I think the whole narrative of him you know being weak-minded is offensive especially when he's spoken of anxiety issues and people are trying to like weed that together like right. stop it no right. that's right. not this has nothing to do with that he's an outstanding outstanding basketball player he's just not as multifaceted as Kawhi Leonard and that doesn't mean DeRozan is a bad player by any stretch right. it right. just means that Kawhi is that much better and he's you know the Terminator yeah you can say DeRozan is a top 20 25 top 30 player for Kawhi's, sure Kawhi's a top five player it's not a slight against anyone it's not saying top three yeah it's not like a slight against other players saying they aren't as good as Kawhi. most players in the league are not as good as Kawhi. this is <laughs> right you know this is what we he, coming into the playoffs and i think ahead of that sixers raptors series i said like this is going to be the series where Kawhi leonard reminds people what he is like we just i i think the raptors all year you know, they had 58 wins, I want to say, and they, you know, they were right in the thick of the Eastern Conference, the battle for the top seed. But you never felt like you saw the fully actualized Raptors because of the load management for Kawhi, which he has come out recently and said, like, if, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be playing right now. Yeah. This is what the Raptors, this was their ceiling the whole time. We were just sleeping on it because we didn't get to see it as much during the regular season, but... This is Kawhi Leonard. This is who he is. He's an incredible, incredible player. And he he can be the number one option on a championship team. He is one win away from proving that. How many guys have, you know, LeBron obviously in both Miami and, and Cleveland, but not many guys have won finals MVPs for different teams. Yeah. I mean, and the and, and, and thing is, like, we kept underestimating Kawhi, especially because of the quad issue. I think right. that played right. a lot of it into, like, we weren't sure about his health. Could he sustain a deep playoff run? Yada, yada, yada. And because he'd missed a, almost a full season, people were like, oh, now he's probably not a top 10 player anymore. He's, right. you know, top 15, top 20. Uh, like, where, where you said DeRozan was, like, top 20, top 25. Yeah. And he comes back, and he's just like, 
I'm still a robot. Oh, right. oh yeah. Right. We forgot. Yeah. yeah. He was we, just he just got, needed an oil change. We got the replacement parts. We're good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, and, and and I can't imagine now not to go into the free agency talk necessarily, but if they win on Monday, I just I can't imagine him leaving. Yeah. Well, I just can't. We'll we'll save the free agency talk for it. If and when this series, well, this series will eventually end. But when it ends, yeah. we'll talk. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Yeah. I do want this. No, to I would like it point. to go nine or eleven. This has been really fun. Yeah, it has. It has. When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. Robo Global provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at roboglobal.com/htec. Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Let's go into game five now, Mort, which is Monday. We do not know the status for Kevin Durant, but just gut feeling, do you think he plays Monday? Yeah, I, I think he does. Um, there was a, a report out saying that he just wasn't close. Yeah. And I believe that, and I, and, and that's fair. And if he's hurt, no skin off anyone's nose. He's right. earned the benefit of the doubt every, every single time. But I think he is the type of player who is so competitive who is so just has so much desire to win and so much desire to compete that he will will himself onto the court. Even if it's like a Willis Reed moment where he just yeah. comes out, starts the game, and leaves after a couple of minutes, I, I think he wants to be out there in the finals. I think he absolutely is just thirsting to get on that court. And for that matter, can we kill all the narratives that he's sitting out because of free agency, please? (laughs) Can we kill those right now with fire? I haven't even seen those, but you told me about them. It makes me, it makes my blood boil. Right. I've seen a couple articles. It's just, it is completely crabbing on his legacy. It's crabbing on him as a person. It's crabbing on him as a competitor. Like it's crabbing on his resume. It is so disrespectful. You don't become a player of Kevin Durant's caliber if you're not extremely motivated to play. And I have had it up to here with the whole weak mindset ideology of of uh, of, of Kevin Durant. I'm so tired of it. Like, he has burners, okay? Yeah, yeah. He might be sensitive in terms of media. Right. I kind of get it because <laughs> some media circles will always try to get the worst out of a player. I, you know, I get it. Right. But man, just don't don't question what he can do on the court. Don't question his his mental approach to the actual game of basketball. This guy is gonna go down as an absolute legend, a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players to ever play, and probably one of the top five scorers to ever play the game of basketball. Right. It is so disrespectful to come out and say, well, he's not playing in the freaking finals because <laughs> 
hashtag free agency. Right. Like, shut up. That yeah. is, that's so dumb. It's the finals. This is what every player in the NBA lives for. They, they, they dream of this moment. See, people take actual major million dollar discounts on their salaries just to experience this. Like, get the hell off my lawn. Yeah. No, because uh, after game four, you know, Brian Windhorst was on SportsCenter and he reported that there was frustration within the Warriors organization about the injury. And so people immediately tried to aggregate that quote and make it sound like people were frustrated with Durant rather than just, I, I think they're just all frustrated, Durant included, that right. it hasn't healed as quickly as they would have liked. Like, of course he wants to be back on the court. Do you think he wants to watch his team lose? I mean, <laughs> some people might argue yes, because then he gets the validation of, oh, you actually did need me to win these rings. But there's no way. Like, he, yeah, wants, no. To, he wants to be there. The Warriors want him there. It just feels so similar to the Kawhi quad issue last year, where the player, the player knows his body better than anyone. And if he's mm-hmm. telling you he can't go, he can't go. They're not being soft or weak-minded, as you said. They're saying, like, look, I just don't feel right, and I can't gut through this injury. It's not like a Kavan Looney thing where apparently he, like, shattered his shoulder but can't hurt it any worse, so he's just going to gut it out, and it's a pain management thing. Right. This is, like, this could get worse. If you play and you aggravate it more, this could and will get worse. So right. I, I don't begrudge Kevin Durant for listening to his body. As you said, he's got you know, he's got a long career ahead of him. This sucks and this is super frustrating for him and the Warriors and all their fans. I get it. But look at what happened with Kawhi. Kawhi trusted his body. It you know, it forced the breakup with the Spurs, and again, he is now one game away from winning an NBA championship. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best term here is that it's a joint frustration. Yeah. I don't think the Warriors are looking at KD and complaining. I think they're just frustrated at the entire situation. Yeah. I don't think they have any ill will towards Durant about this. I think they are perfectly capable of understanding, hey, you know what? This injury can mess you up long term. That's not great. What they're what they're frustrated about is simply the fact that one of their best two players is not able to play in a crucial NBA final series. That's it. It's completely understandable. It's not like they're sitting there going, hey, you know, Russia rehab. That's that's not the case. They're just, they're maybe the better word is sad instead of frustrated. Right. They're sad that their best, second best player can't play. Yeah. Like disappointed. Disappointed. Sad. Whatever. Just frustrated is such an annoying word once in a while because it can so easily be misinterpreted. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's any animosity between those two sides whatsoever, and and I totally understand the frustration. Totally understand it. Yeah. So regardless of whether KD does or does not come back, the Warriors right. are now in the same spot that they were three years ago against OKC, and that the Cavs were three years ago against them in the finals. They are down right. 3-1 heading into Game 5. Regardless of whether KD does or does not come back, do you think they have a chance of becoming only the second team now in NBA history to overcome a 3-1 deficit in the finals? Yes, because, look, I will never sit here and say that a team that's won, what, three of their last four championships yeah. won't have a shot. They have Seth Curry. They have Klay Thompson. 
they also have Draymond Green, who seems to be at least trying to play a you know more of a basketball-oriented game than a complaining game. <laughs> last night, I see him. Last night, yeah, aside. yeah. That last night was not the best example of that, but right. overall, his playoff run has been better. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm just not gonna count those guys guys out. Yeah, I I I think Toronto is gonna win the series and the championship. Um, but I'm not sitting here going, oh, there's no chance in hell that right. the Warriors you know, come back. This is the Warriors. They're here for a reason. Um, I, I would be a complete fool if I didn't open that door. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of think if KD comes back, it still goes seven. I, I could see that. I just don't think... I think if the Warriors win game five, there's no way they're losing game six in Oracle. You know what would be so fantastic? Just imagine if KD comes back, it goes seven, and if I'm not mistaken, game seven is in is in uh, in Canada, right? Correct. Now, just imagine if Kawhi ends up hitting like a game seven buzzer beater. Ugh. And like, no, but don't, don't say just, Kawhi buzzer beater to me. You I I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But imagine if he does. Yeah. And just imagine the legacy he would have in Canada for the next 50 to 60 years. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, he already does, no matter what happens from here on out. Right, but if yeah. you just yeah, add yeah, up yeah. the drama just a little bit more, yeah. if they were down one and he hit, like, a Jordan fadeaway and they won by one. Yeah. Like, oh just, oh, I would love that so much. Well, I mean, this has already been one of the most remarkable postseason performances of all time. I, I think, yeah. you know, I, I looked it up before we started recording and in terms of just raw total points scored in a playoff run Kawhi is number eight right now he has Mm -hmm. 684 points in 22 games all all seven guys ahead of him either played 22 or 23 so he's trailing MJ LeBron twice Olajuwon Iverson Shaq Kobe he's going to pass Kobe and 2011-2012 LeBron in the next game, if he gets 14 points, which he's going to, he will pass Shaq if he has 26 or more. Like which he's going to probably. So yeah, he like at the end of next game, in all likelihood, he will have scored at least the fifth most points anyone has ever scored in a playoff run. Like so, what you're telling me is that Kawhi has a historic playoff campaign. Yeah, between that and the the shot that I will not refer to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, okay. What more can you say about this guy? He's incredible. I, I'm honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely thrilled for him just knowing how good he was before that injury. And it sucks to have missed a whole season or missed all but nine games. I'm genuinely happy for him that he's come back and, become this again because i i always say this the nba is more fun when players are healthy when everyone's healthy like even if it's bad for the sixers i just you know (laughs) i enjoy seeing superstars at their peak and that's what Kawhi is right now i'm glad you brought it up because the reason i i did the whole do you want to say it's historic is because we've seen a little bit of backlash from people saying well it's a great playoff campaign but it's not historic yeah like it's not a historical campaign yeah, it is. Be quiet. It's, right. it's absolutely insane. For the playoffs, he's averaging 31.1 points, 9.1 rebounds. In the finals alone, he's at 30.8 and 
He's yeah, he's not just leading the league here in playoffs in in points. He's also doing it in free, in free throw attempts, in steals, and in I think field goals as well. Like a whole bunch of stuff. He's he's been at the very top of the pyramid here in the playoffs, and it, it is beyond ridiculous to insinuate that he's not having a historical campaign because when you a- a factor in the defense yeah. along with the rebounding and the very efficient scoring like this is a jordan of uh, jordan postseason like he, this is this is an absolute top tier performance he's shooting almost 50 40 90 while averaging 31 points a game while being at least here in the playoffs the best lockdown defender we have in the game yeah yeah it's an, it's just absolutely incredible i'll say this the rafters better go out and win game five because if they don't, they, <laughs> they really leave the door cracked. Yeah. And I would start to get nervous. But Do what? you think the crowd would even allow that for game five, <laughs> though? I have a feeling that energy level is yeah. just going to be so ridiculous. Like The Warriors won't even be able to communicate. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really all depends on... If KD does not come back in this series, the Raptors are going to win. Yeah. If he does... I still, you know, the Raptors should be heavily favored at this point just because, you know, the the Warriors need to win three straight. It's very hard to do that, especially in the finals. Mm-hmm. KD is a, the big X factor. As weird as it is to call Kevin Durant an MVP caliber player an X factor, he is. He will determine yeah. the, the fate of the rest of these finals. If he comes back, the Warriors still have a chance. If he misses game five, I think it's over. Drama injuries execution defense offense this series has everything and to just put the canadian spin on it this is what basketball it's all about <laughs> well, I, i'm 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 dicking this series so hard i i it's mean it. oh and and by the way shout out to all the raptors fans yeah i mean they especially on twitter those guys are just in in I don't know what state I can describe here what they're in in euphoria. Ecstasy? I mean, yeah. <laughs> ecstasy. It's it's they are so happy right now. There, yeah. there are so many happy Canadians on Twitter right now, and I'm enjoying every second of it. Right, keep, all, keep it up, so Canadians. <laughs> yeah, not rubbing it in Warriors fans' faces at all. They're just like, this is great. This yeah, is <laughs> even more polite than normal. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> we would have won with Durant. Oh, that Durant is a nice player. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Very nice player, Levin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you want to come over to my place and watch the game? <laughs> Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. 
Since you mentioned drama, we do have to touch on one Game 3 storyline, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. Kyle Lowry, in the fourth quarter, dives out of bounds to save a loose ball. As he is trying to right himself, you know, he goes crashing into the courtside seats. As he's trying to get up, what we thought at first was a fan pushed him, and he took clear exception to it. Uh, you know, told the referee, the referee didn't do anything, but... Oracle security escorted the fan out right away, basically. The next day, it comes out that this wasn't just a fan. It was Mark Stevens, who is a minority owner of the Golden State Warriors. So players are pissed. LeBron puts out you know, an Instagram post or something. It's just like, this is unacceptable. Imagine if the reverse happened. Yep. Imagine if Kyle Lowry pushed the fan. Like, What would have happened to him? Yep. Which is fair. It's a fair point. The NBA announces that Stevens is being fined $500,000 and is banned from all NBA games from a year and all Warriors-related activities for a year. Mort, do you think that punishment is enough? Let me ask you this. Had it not been a minority owner and just a fan, mm-hmm. would there have been any shadow of a doubt that that guy would have gotten a lifetime ban. No, absolutely not. Then you have my answer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 I don't know if it's possible, but if it is, I think they should just force him to sell, sell his shares. Yeah. Like, uh, I think so too. I think, and, and, and just, I, I want actually to attack this, this situation right on because I've seen a lot of people kind of insinuate, well, oh, that wasn't a really, that wasn't a hard job. He really didn't hurt Lowry. That's not the point. Yeah. The point wasn't the force of the push. It was the push itself. Right. It was the whole factor of in a minority owner, or even if it had just been a fan, but someone who is not in the actual NBA game doing something that is blatantly unnecessary and blatantly stupid sorry but like why would you do that right kyle lowry did nothing wrong he chased a ball sitting courtside comes with that thing in mind of hey an nba player might actually run into us right and you know what most people most normal people would look at that and go well that's an experience that's i have something to tell my kids or like respect, good effort. I'm glad you were playing all out and like putting right. that much effort into this game. Thank you. I have no idea what that push was meant to signify in his head. Yeah, Mark Stevens. Like I have no idea what he thought he would accomplish by pushing Kyle Lowry. None. I I don't think any thought went into it. It was just like a frat bro, like a Silicon Valley frat bro, being like, <laughs> "Yo, bro, get off my girl." Yeah, just, that's that's dumb though. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. I know it's it, it was just it's so inexcusable, no matter what the explanation. And I mean, yeah, I just don't think this guy has no business being around the NBA anymore. He should have yep. a lifetime ban the games. He should not be able to own the team. He has like he should not be a part of this league if he's going to treat a player like that. We, as you right. said, you know, we had a couple instances earlier this year where. There were documented cases of fans using racist language toward players, and they immediately got banned. And that was yep. it. There was no question. The Utah Jazz, banned for life, which yep. is great. Zero tolerance. Right. It's the, that is the right move. Like, 
just because you are a paying customer of the game, or in this case, a paying owner of the team, doesn't give you the right to treat players like subhuman. If you, right. if you went and did that on the streets, you would be arrested. Yes, I can't go into a Starbucks, grab somebody's coffee and pee in it, and expect, oh, I'm a paying customer, right. it's okay. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, it was just gross. I. Ugh. And also, can, can we just... Can we just bring it up? I know, you know, we I know that most people just wouldn't yeah, make this a topic, but I think it I think it matters. Kyle Lowry's black. Oh, in no, case for you sure. Noticed. Yeah, I mean that was that was definitely a lot of the undertone for the player's frustration was Right. This is a white owner and a black player and there are some undertones there that suggest Yeah, because he is not an owner. He is not a team owner. And he is, in that sense, because you, there is this rule in place that NBA players should refrain from interacting with uh, with fans in any negative setting. Right. Where, remember after Malice in the Palace, it, it, it was almost like the league threatened its players. Yeah. You're not allowed to run into the, the crowd instead of the other way around. Like, right. hey, don't, don't fans, throw don't... beers at fans or at players. Exactly. Yeah. So that dynamic is still there. Yeah. And when you have... A black player who is in in some ways in terms of like the the situational positioning of being a player and you have a fan slash owner in the seats, whereas the rule intends for him Kyle Lowry not to be able to fight back. Yeah. Then it becomes a a topic of you know suppressing a, a a human being because I would totally understand it if Kyle Lowry's initial response had been to clock this guy. Yeah, for sure. I would totally have have gotten into it, but but you know what? Had he done that, how many outlets, how many right uh, alt right <laughs> outlets would have wrote about thugs? Right. Oh, for sure. And he would have gotten banned for the rest of the finals. I mean, like as much as Mark Stevens was in the wrong here, I think Kyle Lowry deserves just all of the credit for how he's handled this situation, how he restrained yep. himself at the time, how in the post game press conference he called this guy out said he has no business being part of the NBA, called for a lifetime ban, addressed reporters' questions about it the next day. I think he spoke to reporters before the NBA announced the punishment, I want to say. Right. I, I just think he's handled this with, honestly, with the maturity, and he would be the first to admit it, the maturity that he wouldn't have had earlier in his career. Yeah, It's shown a lot of growth and development for Kyle Lowry, and I think you're honestly... In some ways, you're seeing that on the court, too. Like, he's just, you know, he has matured to a point where he understands, all right, my team needs me. He he said he came back to the huddle afterwards, and he was still really pissed. And Danny Green basically, like, took him aside and said, look, man, we need you. Lock back in. Like, we get it. That was a messed up situation. But we're still in the midst of a close finals game. We need you to focus. And then... He he immediately snapped back in and look where we are. And I think more than anything, that was the best middle finger you could give to Mark Stevens. Yeah. Because his attempt at shoving Kyle might have been, hey, let me see if I can get him out of the game. Right. And Kyle remaining calm. Yeah. And delivering. Yep. Kind of defeated Mark Stevens' entire purpose, if that was the purpose he went for. Yeah. I really don't think he put yeah. any thought into it. I think it was just like a baseline caveman instinct. (laughs) 
But <laughs> that's just so bad. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I mean, I I, yeah. I hope he didn't put any thought into it, or he should definitely be banned for life. But even if well, it's, yeah, yeah. even if it's just that's your natural instinct, you don't belong near the NBA. Yep. You just no, I agree. You don't. So we'll we'll see what happens with him. I would be, I mean, look, they're they're not going to be able to like force him to sell his shares overnight. So maybe. Maybe this happens during the offseason. I'm sure the NBA does not want this to overshadow such a great series, obviously. Agreed. So, like, for all we know, in a couple months, he'll be gone and we never have to think about this guy again. But Yeah, but he'll get $180 million out of this, which I right. also hate yeah. very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, on the bright side, the Warriors are probably going to make a lot more money once they move into the Chase Center, and he's going to get none of that. So Yep, that, that is... Very much true. That's a win. He'll, Kyle Lowry will end up costing him millions and millions of dollars, as well he should. Cause... By the way, regarding the Chase Center, mm-hmm. I, I haven't really looked, but I haven't seen like any uh, videos yet of like the interior or anything. Has that been announced, or is that like still pending? Um, I'm not sure. I think they've shown at least like sketches of what it was supposed to look like. Oh, okay. Well, then I need to just be better at Google, but yeah. I was just because we've spent or we have spent, we are not Jeff and Gundy and Mark Jackson, but Mark <laughs> Jackson and Jeff and Gundy spent a lot of time talking about the new arena, new arena. So yeah. I'm, now I'm beginning <laughs> very curious. So, yeah, what this new arena will look like? Yeah, well, we'll yeah, find out. And- in- a couple and months. if it means like a uniform switch as well, like this uh, would just make a perfect time to just kind of not 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 just rebuild the entire brand, but maybe just kind of I don't know, freshen it up a little bit. Unless of course you hired the same designer who did the Houston Rockets new, <laughs> new logo. logo. Yeah, well. because you know, putting gray on a basketball <laughs> is is somehow good. <clears throat> the, the, yeah, the Houston Rockets off season. Is just still off to a great start. I, I showed that logo to one of my friends who's a graphic designer. Uh-huh. He, uh, he said he officially did not want to comment. <laughs> that is the only correct response to the new yep. logo. Hey, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. All right, boy. The NBA has the uncanny ability to, even when the finals are going on, also have business go on off the court. And we had that Thursday when the Brooklyn Nets agreed to send Alan Crabb, this year's number 17 pick, and a 2020 lottery protected first to the Atlanta Hawks for Torian Prince and a 2021 second. Let's talk about it 
from Brooklyn's side first. Yes. Because their intentions are very clear now. If they rescind everyone, and that includes D'Angelo Russell, they have enough cap space to offer two max deals to guys in the seven to nine year range. So that means Kyrie Irving, who is suddenly being linked to the Nets a lot. Mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith has said he's eyeing them. Ian Begley said he's eyeing them. Even Woj, when he broke the story about this crab trade, said there is strong mutual interest between the two of them. So right. they could add a Kyrie Irving and then a Jimmy Butler, a Tobias Harris, a Clay Thompson, and still have be able to do that right now, zero questions asked. They can't do yeah. Kyrie and Kevin Durant yet. They're about $3.3 million short of that, but that's a Joe Harris salary dump away. There are ways around it. it, it yeah. you know, they, they can get there if that's if that's the goal. So TLDR, they have money. Right. So what do you think the Nets have up their sleeves right now? I think you just kind of alluded to it. Kyrie and KD, I think, is the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if KD is unavailable because he might resign with the Warriors, mm-hmm. then it's Kyrie and somebody else. Maybe Jimmy Butler, as you mentioned, or Tobias Harris. Or, well, I mean, theoretically, they could make a pitch for Kawhi, but I just doubt that situation is in play right now. But yeah. who knows? I yeah. mean, uh, it, that depends on Uncle Dennis to, 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 <laughs> to some extent. Right. Um, point is, they can get two superstars onto their roster for next season. Yeah. And I wrote about this on Forbes as well because... The biggest loser in this trade, you know, most trades has, you know, they have a winner and a, and a loser, and it's neither of those teams. Mm-hmm. It's the Knicks. Yeah. The Knicks is the biggest loser in this trade because they just kind of sold off everything. <laughs> Kristaps. Because, <laughs> well, Kristaps wanted out because right. it's such a healthy place to be, apparently, yeah. in New York. But, uh, they, but yeah. yeah, they salary dumped Kristaps to make two maxes. Yes, and they they are just going all in on the superstar chase, and they're hoping that the reputation, you know, Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball, all these things, where I'm still, to, to be honest with you, I'm still kind of surprised. Why? Why are we still calling New York, at least the Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball? Like, why does it still have this reputation? I, I'm not really sure. I mean, yeah, it's a great arena, but the Knicks have been irrelevant for so long. I mean, let's cool it. Yeah. Um, but now the Nets have money. So if players want the New York market experience, if they want the additional marketing opportunities, the Nets are right there. Mm-hmm. Now they can just go to Brooklyn instead and enjoy tremendous success while still having all the same venues available to them as they did the Knicks. So right now, it becomes a choice and frankly a simple one. Do you want to go to an extremely poorly run organization? <laughs> right. Or do you want to go to an organization led by actual professionals? And it's not only hmm. that. It's do you want to go to a 17-win Knicks team that has a bunch of young guys who may or may not be good? Right. Like, I, I'm high on Mitchell Robinson. I think he's going to – he's raw, but he's going to turn into a good player. I am too. We have no idea what's going to happen with Kevin Knox. Frank Ntilikina, Dennis Smith Jr. If, meh, they, if, meh, if, meh. if they spend the number three pick on R.J. Barrett, 
He's like a high volume, mediocre efficiency type player. He's basically the second coming of Carmelo for them, probably. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably best case scenario, right? But like that style of player, I should say, right? Yeah. So not someone who's easily integrated into the larger scheme of a team, right? right? Is that better than joining a team, a forty-two win core that has Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, Karis Levert, Jared Allen? No, it's not better. Coached by Kenny Atkinson, run by Sean Marks, who's proved he's, you know, a very for them to be at the point they are at you know five years after six years after this the kevin garnett trade is remarkable like marks took this team over three years ago and they're suddenly in the conversation for signing kyrie irving well brian i'm just now reminded of something though what's that the the nets don't hand out uh records from their own band That's true. That might be the selling point. That gets, there we go. Yeah. That's that's why the Knicks are still in the media as a valid destination. No, okay, so I'm kind of kidding here. Uh, be- because the Knicks, for some reason, they still have this rep. We can't ignore it. It's mm-hmm. completely illogical, but they still have this rep. So there's still a chance for the Knicks to come out with something, obviously. So I'm not sitting here going, oh, the Knicks are ultimately going to fail, yada, yada, yada. Right. But it's just now that there is now there is a more legitimate... Uh, threat because like from a geographical perspective your threat is your next door neighbor yeah yeah well i mean and yeah the their whole plan or from what it seemed their whole plan was durant and irving and now if you're to believe the recent rumor mill it seems like irving to the nets is possibly a done deal correct so Maybe Durant is still set on going to the Knicks. We don't know. We don't know how this, you know, maybe this finals changes his decision-making process. And maybe he's like, oh, these guys actually need me. I feel validated for the first time in three years. I'm going to stay here. Or maybe he never had those issues that we all thought he had to begin with. That's true, too. And so, like, you know, maybe they've received assurances. Let's say best-case scenario, when they make that Kristaps Porzingis trade, Right. Rich Kleiman has already talked to James Dolan. He's like, no matter what, Kevin Durant is signing with you guys this summer. Plan ahead. Carve out a second max deal. We'll work on recruiting someone to be his co-star. So even if Irving doesn't happen, they could still go after Kemba, Jimmy, Tobias, Clay Thompson, Kawhi. Are they going to get any of those players? Jimmy and Tobias and Kemba are probably the most realistic targets. I don't think Kawhi or Clay are going there. Well, not Kemba necessarily because if, if the he Super came Max. out right, yeah. and he came out just a couple of days ago and was very complimentary of Charlotte and his time there, and not in like he didn't speak in the past tense. Right, it was like he wants to be there. He likes it there. I don't think a player would go out of his way to compliment that in that manner because he would lose leverage in contract negotiations. Well, unless he's he's doing it, buttering them up, being like, give me that Supermax, MJ. Right, but then he's still interested in returning, even yeah. though, yeah, it might be for the money, but even so, I don't think he's... Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely a player. He's absolutely one you can contact and you can go for, but I don't think he's so easily swayed as we might believe otherwise yeah. plus and this is gonna sound extra harsh he would go from a 
a situation in Charlotte to an even worse one in New York, depending, of course, you know, yeah, that that all matters about K- KD. But like, if he's the first guy signed right. and KD stays in in, <laughs> in Golden State, yeah. like then he would actually, it would then he would go through the very very strange experience of going from the Hornets to the Knicks, yeah, which is like a career step down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I I just think for the Knicks right now. This summer just got so much harder. But let's go back to the actual trade because I love it for Brooklyn and I love it even more so for Atlanta. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll hit Atlanta in a second because I do want to. There are a couple other things with Brooklyn. Um, one, if hypothetically, let's say they can't get a second max guy, they get one max guy, they right. keep D'Angelo Russell's cap hold on the books, they still have about $15.6 million in cap space at that point. Mm-hmm. So they could like they have a lot of optionality this summer. I saw a lot of criticism of this trade from the Brooklyn side because they were saying like, "Look, you gave up two first round picks to salary dump Allen Crab. That's a lot, and it is." But I also think people are underrating Torian Prince. Like he's not just a yes. throw in. I I I get the criticism because he had a disappointing year in Atlanta. It seemed like the Hawks kind of soured on him. He's one year away from restricted free agency, but he could be really good in Kenny Atkinson's system. Mm-hmm. And, and play two positions. Yeah, he could play. I mean, right. He's versatile. And going ahead to next summer, are they going to pay him is the big question. Well, they have matching rights. So it, it's not like they're, they're not under pressure. I mean, one, Sean Mark's reputation might work in his advantage this time. Because teams might not be willing to throw an offer sheet at him unless it's a gigantic overpay, just thinking Marks is going to match. And maybe we have a situation like what happened with Clint Capella this past summer where he ends up signing a completely reasonable deal because teams are just like, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to get baited into overpaying for this guy when no. we know more he's going to match. This could happen with Prince, too. Like I'm not convinced that Torian Prince gets $15 million a year next summer. I agree. I think I think the way they structured this internally when they when they were negotiating is the the twenty twenty lottery protected first. I think that specifically was for Torian Prince. Yeah. And then the salary dump with Crab was for seventeen. Yep. I totally agree. And they got a twenty twenty one second, which I know yeah. people aren't gonna think too highly of, but that's something. It's yeah, it's another chip in their in their pot so i right. yes i i'm it's hard to know exactly how good i feel about this deal from brooklyn side until we see who they assign this summer how they use that cap space but i respect the aggressiveness and as you said it puts the knicks like <laughs> they are sweating bullets right now i also think it's it's kind of bad news for any team with a possible max free agent and of course like i'm thinking of philly here because yep. now Jimmy and Tobias have both been linked as possible Nets targets. Now the Nets can say, hey, we can afford Kyrie and one of you. And that's pretty appealing, especially if the Sixers don't offer their full five-year max. So all of a sudden, the Sixers are really, like, that decreases the Sixers' leverage. And if they were hoping to get those guys to take a discount, you know, they could say, look, well, <laughs> screw you guys. We're just going to go to Brooklyn instead. Well, I have a solution to that, at least for Tobias. So it's 6 p.m. June 30th uh-huh. that you open up, right? Yep. 
Well, you contact Boban. <laughs> that's 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 the first call you make. Shit. That's the Boban. Boban, Boban. Boban we prioritize he's you. Coming back. And Boban is like, oh, you prioritize me. I'll sign immediately. And then you call Tobias and you go, we just got Boban, <laughs> Boban back. And and Tobias is gonna be, oh, okay. Yeah. See you on Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no. Boban already said he, there's like a ninety percent chance he's coming back. Well, then there's a 90% chance that Tobias is coming back. Yeah, I agree. I, they're not breaking that up. No, I, I know. But I, it's just they're going to have to max both of those guys. And then the Nets <laughs> yeah. put more pressure on them to do so. I still I still think you're you're sitting somewhat pretty. Uh, I know I kid a lot, but, I, I mean, you went deep into the playoffs. Um, and, what, well, it's the second round. But, I mean, in terms of the Eastern Conference specifically, you made a run, and, well, and they they took the team that very well might win the NBA championship to a game seven and lost on a buzzer beater. So, as you can see, and I mean Jimmy seems to be getting more and more comfortable yeah. with the offense and with his teammates, and I think he's looking for some stability now. I don't I don't think he wants to be known as a guy who's going to be on his fourth team in four years. Yep. So I think he's pretty safe in that way. Um, and Tobias as well to some extent because I, I know he struggled a lot and, and he he had a tougher time acclimating himself to the Philly team I, I, at least afterwards and he came in hot and then he kind of just I don't know what really happened but he, his production leveled off a little bit yeah but I think he's he's hungry to yeah. wanting to go back and really you know correct that yeah I think they see the potential there I mean you have a winning system you have one of the best centers in the damn league. The Knicks have Kevin Knox. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not too worried. I still think. Yeah. I'll have some articles soon about what I think the, uh, the Sixers yeah. are going to do this summer. But. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance I, I think so can we can we please can we please talk about Atlanta now yes please yeah um, because I have a name I have a name I'm gonna throw it right at you right now okay Jared Culver yep 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 so the Hawks have the 8th the 10th and the 17th pick here in the first round of this draft they could easily easily trade up to like five Cleveland yep and go for Culver and people could you know sit there and go why would Culver slip to, to five because it appears that the Lakers have given Darius Garland a promise at four. Right. Which would make sense because he's a clutch sports <laughs> Yep. Yep. And, he, I mean, so the, the real concern here is actually number three, the Knicks. The Knicks seem hell-bent on R.J. Barrett. That could be a smokescreen. Mm-hmm. 
and that could it, they could be into Jared Culver. But here's the great thing: if you're Atlanta, because you have these three picks, you don't have to like settle for number five with Cleveland. If you want to be absolutely effing sure that you get Jared Culver, you trade up to three. Or I mean, I think it's one of those deals that you just don't make it until you're on, until Cleveland's on the clock. Like you agree to it beforehand, and you you call right. Cleveland. And you say, if Culver's on the board at 5, we will give you 8, 17, 41, whatever. Whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's not, no deal. And you guys take Garland yeah. or whoever you want. It's fine. Yeah, like a prearranged uh, agreement. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like yeah. if Cleveland says yes, then good. And if not, then, then you move on elsewhere. But yeah, I agree. Right. I mean, it seems like... You know, they have three first-round picks now, three second-round picks. They're not bringing six rookies into training camp. They could trade some of those for future draft considerations. They could spend some on draft and stashes. They have a bunch of options. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote about the Hawks. Uh, well, just this trade and then just the Hawks in general. I wrote the, about them at the Basketball Writers on Friday because I think their optionality really makes them like a low-key power player this summer. Because, yeah. I mean, with the draft, we'll see what happens. I, I would expect them to be active in trade talks, continue to be active in trade talks. The The Crab deal isn't official until July 6th, just because the Crab for Torian Prince salaries don't match at all. And so the, the Hawks will need cap space to make this deal work. But once the deal goes through, including the cap holds for 8, 10, and 17, they still have about $26 million in cap space. So if they want to bring Dwayne Dedman back, as Sham Sharani of The Athletic recently reported, they can do that. If they mm-hmm. want to do another salary dump to pick up more assets, they can do that. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, you know, they, they were talking. Or they can do both. Right, exactly. Like they, they were, uh, I think it was Sam Amick of The Athletic in March, I want to say. Uh, had the report where they were they were saying like the Hawks are just so high on how Trey Young and John Collins have developed that they're going to try to get a seat at the table with the big free agents this summer. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. For one, they just don't have their again twenty six million is not thirty two point seven, so they would have to free up a lot of space and they would have to dump Bazemore, Crab, or Plumley, which is possible, but. I just think they're not at that stage of their rebuild where they they're dumping assets to get a star yet like right but the idea was just to get a meeting just to like i don't know solidify themselves right as a team down the line yeah but i kind of, I kind of get the idea behind it though i don't think they come in with any aspirations of signing anyone i think yeah. they just like, like but i get your point about them not having cap space being like a non-starter is well received yeah, yeah. well yeah i guess you could say like it's more more for their agent than the player itself like, the agent yeah. can go back to his other clients and say, oh, okay, this is the long-term vision they have. Next summer, they're really interesting. Because next summer, they could have upwards of $80 million in cap space. <laughs> Bazemore, Crab, and Plumley all come off the books after this year. Yeah. This is what I've been talking about for a while. Yeah. I think that's that's the year they do it. I don't think they should go in on guys this year. I think they did the exact right thing by yep. trading for uh, Crab or just, you know... Getting assets for for a, in a salary dump trade. Yep. Um, I I love what they're doing. Their cap sheet is clean. They have so many 
wonderful opportunities. I, for some reason, whenever I think about them, you've seen Moneyball with Brad Pitt, and there's there's that scene where they use they they lose uh, Giambi, I want to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. or yeah, and and uh, Jonah Hill's character, uh, you know, says, "I think this opens up so many." Uh, interesting possibilities for you guys right that's like that scene just comes back to me whenever i think of the hawks yeah i think this is a team that they have so much you know financial flexibility they have so much talent on their rookie deals and and these guys have just tremendous ceiling it's like trey young screw it trey young could be the best point guard in the damn league in five or six years yeah, I mean, I mean his he passing could. vision is sublime, and his shooting is only going to become better because he, he's he's not a thirty two percent shooter as he did as he was this year from from downtown. Like this was his rookie season, he was still getting acclimated to the league, and he started off a little bit slow. Like he might be the best point guard in the league in half a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Collins might be you know Amari Stoudemire two point um, with a three point shot. Right. There's so many things that's going on there that like, the components are just so interesting. And if they get Jared Culver, like Jared Culver is my guy for yeah. this draft. I yeah. love him. He is one of those people who will have like a similar defensive impact, potentially, as Kawhi Leonard. He will be able to guard multiple positions, at least four, one, one through four. He has such quick feet and quick hands. He's smart. He reads plays and screens, and he's got the potential to be a first-team all-defense for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Offensively, uh, a little bit hit or miss, but if he's paired with Trey Young and John Collins, both of whom could, in their primes, each average like 25 points a game, the need for offensive production out of Culver wouldn't be as big. Right. I, I would love that 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 flow of that team having, you know, those two tremendous scorers and then have an, an all around defensive ace in Culver who can still play make by the way like he's he resembles Jimmy Butler in that sense like he doesn't have a great three point shot but he can he can handle the basketball he can make plays so he's not inept offensively he's not Andre Iguodala he like think about the current Andre Iguodala but with more offense mm-hmm. like that type of player is exactly exactly what Atlanta needs. Yeah. I would I, I would be all in on that youth movement there. Yeah. All in on it. Yeah, I mean, I know you wrote a piece for Forbes recently about how they could just have a core set in place, and this was before the crab trade. Um, Correct. And you were mentioning, like, Jackson Hayes as a target at 10 yeah. as well. Like, Yeah, because at that point they had 8 and 10. Right. And I was just kind of like, stay with those two, it's fine. But now that they got... 17th as well now it makes sense to trade up so yeah. when i wrote that article i just kind of insinuated don't don't trade up because now you can get two assets instead of one but now you can definitely package two picks because you can keep one of them right and then you would still have two picks right uh you just might get a better player so yeah I, my point was if you get jackson hayes and like seku Dumboya, like you'd be golden because I mean, first of all, Jackson Hayes, he shot 74% from the free throw line, so he's got some very good shooting mechanics, would absolutely be able to stretch it out a little bit. Don't know if he's going to be a three-point shooter, but his release is okay. Would definitely be able to hit, like, the 15, 17-foot jump shot. He blocked shots, like, at an amazing rate. He was at 2.2 a game in 23 minutes or so. Rebounds, you know, a rim roller, 
understands screens, can even make like decent passes, though he just he barely averaged assists in college, but that was more of a setup than, than anything else. And then Seiko Dumboya is one of my absolute favorites as well, like a hidden gem from France. He's not going to turn 19 until December 25th. So he's going to play almost half an NBA season, Brian, at the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, just 6'9", small forward slash power forward, just, just a forward really, a combo forward, has a really nice looking stroke. And the percentages aren't quite there yet, but they'll come. Can play in transition, versatile defensively, can pick up you know smaller players, larger players. Like he can, he can switch onto a shooting guard just as well as he can, like a center. So it, he's extremely intriguing as well. So if you put a long-term project like, or two long-term projects like Dumboya and and Hayes in there, like that would fit the same age timeline as Trey Young and John Collins. And then fourth, five years down the road. That team might be absolutely insane. But now you can just replace Demboya with Culver. Like now, Boom. now there's right. a chance you could have next year. You could have as a long-term starting five: Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Culver, John Collins, Jackson Hayes. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. That the Hawks are gonna like just. I'm ready to jump on board. Was... Here's the thing with the Hawks, right? They would have to do something wicked stupid to mess this up. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I think I wrote this, they're at the point right now where like, they're in the mystery box stage of the rebuild, which is the yeah. most fun part, because it's like, look at all the possibilities we have. And then mm-hmm. at some point, that cap space turns into players... And you start to get boxed in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Right. And then you turn into the Sixers and have to overpay Tobias Harris to keep him together. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. you know, they're right now they're in the young fun part. They're going to be there for another couple of years because Collins and Young, you know, they, they still have a couple of years left on their rookie deals. But at a certain point, they will, you know, they do have to make their move with cap space, but like they're not in any immediate pressure to do so. So I think right. this summer I would be surprised if they took on much long-term salary beyond this year just because I think they want to maintain that flexibility moving forward. But, Agreed. But they could still take on, you know, they, they have so much room to take on a Bismack Biombo or an Evan Turner. <laughs> I was know? just about to say Bismack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know that they're going to take on, like, a Nick Batum or anything like that without getting right. up a major asset in return. Yeah. but Yeah, it, and, like, the Hornets doesn't even have that asset. Like, right. they have number 12, but that's not even enough. Yeah. Like, no, I, like, I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be one of those bad deals that were signed in 2060. Yeah. And, and they're quickly dwindling because a lot of those guys have been stretched. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it... They have a number of ways they can go. And I think Hawks fans should be rightly optimistic about their team's future. It Travis Schlenk has done a phenomenal job since he's taken over this team. Yes, and he has not been caught saying, you know, he's got a little African in him. <laughs> right. So that's also right. very great. Also yeah. an upgrade right there. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap up, Mort. So everyone, we will be back after Game 5. Maybe we'll have a by Felicia to do. Who knows? <laughs> we'll we'll find out Monday. Uh, until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. 
You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so please check them out on Spreaker. Uh, oh, I screwed that up. I'm going to do that one more time. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so you can check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. It, I, I'm almost hoping that we have a by Felicia on the Warriors because we've never had that before. Oh, man. Slander is going to fly. <laughs> Take care, man. You too. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.